1: Welcome
0: to the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss AI powered content management for planning, creation, and refinement. Joining us is Jeff Coyle, who's the co founder and CSO of Market Muse, which uses artificial intelligence to accelerate content planning, creation, and optimization. The MarketMuse platform identifies content quality issues on your site, builds blueprints that show you exactly how to write and cover a topic comprehensively. And today, Jeff and I are going to discuss AI for content planning. This podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with the OG of artificial intelligently created content, Jeff Coyle, the co founder and CSO of Market Muse. Jeff, welcome back to the Voices of Search podcast.
1: Oh, uh, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Always looking forward to speaking with you.
0: It's been a minute since we chatted. You know, you've been on this podcast probably for three or four years. We've been, we've been doing this for four or five now, and uh, always singing from the mountaintops. Maybe screaming. Artificial intelligently created content is gonna be a thing. Yes. And it's been like a year since you and I have talked. And and do you still think artificial intelligently created content is going to be a thing, or is the world coming around?
1: Nah, it's done. It's it's done. It's, it's all a hoax. Yeah, it's all a hoax. <laughs> no, I mean this this year's been wild. Yeah, it's been the the democratization of it and everything to follow and so yeah i'm looking forward to this discussion if you play back some of those old tapes they're a little bit chilling right
0: i i guess you were right <laughs> uh, i called you the og of artificially intelligently createdly contently uh, you know that you've been doing this for a long time and i think that it was a novelty of you can have machines create the content for you and then you know publish unlimited amounts of content this year, we've gone from that sounds like a hoax to how are you not already doing this? So tell me about what your world looks like right now. There's a host of new vendors. Some people are getting billion-dollar valuations. You know, Market news is humming along. Uh, tell me about the competitive landscape and who's doing what in your space now.
1: Hey, yeah, no, it's 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 an amazing thing to see happen and and be there throughout the what happens to a business? What happens to an industry or an entire kind of world when something that was a scarce resource basically goes to infinite supply is what we're seeing right now. So now it's going to be about refinement and everything that goes with challenge of what's going to happen at the end. Um, and what we're already seeing is you know, lots of vendors came in. It was a unknown. We didn't know what the market maturity was. We didn't know how it was going to land, is this a, you know, infinite numbers of unicorns are coming out of this, is it none, uh, you know, is this a flop? And the types of vendors that entered the space solely for generative AI are the ones where, you know, big, huge valuations, then you see a lot of companies kind of like adding it to their list of capabilities, some of them building their own, and then some of them, uh, you know, kind of using other people's and refining it and it's kind of that slower adoption businesses where they're not AI first they weren't AI native and they're going to have to become artificial intelligence like kind of emergent or they're making that migration and what we're going to see in the next year is going to be businesses that don't do that or that resist it are going to be on that track to obsolete regardless of the industry they're in but for our vend- for for kind of vendors in specifically our space You have OpenAI, who just yesterday launched an enterprise solution. It's the first real beautiful product launch that they've made, specifically they've made for businesses. You see Microsoft Azure acting as a beautiful product management team, bringing this to businesses. You have Jasper going two directions at once. One towards publishing with Jasper campaigns, where they're building things to get it, kind of do it once, get it into many places. Um, and Jasper Everywhere, which is their integration into Google Docs primarily, but with Chrome extensions and trying to make, trying to be the one that plants the flag in the moon as ubiquitous. We're the ubiquitous, uh, writing solution. Writer is a great example also where they've taken the route of making something responsible for business. So they recognize the pain points of security and of, being, you know, writing things that are appropriate for your specific business so personalization. And then the last one I'll mention is publishers are all getting this in different ways. Some of them are getting it with fear. Some of them are thinking critically about, wow, how do we create a great reader experience with this type of technology? Um, And that's going to be, you know, the war of 2024 is how publishers deal with this.
0: So Jeff, you mentioned a couple different companies that are starting and even having billion dollar valuations. Some people are solving the content production process problem. Some people are uh, making it easier to consume content. Uh, Where does Market Muse fit into the landscape? You you used to sort of be the artificial, intelligently created content vendor, and and now it seems like it's a little bit more of a crowded space. How do you think about where you are and where do you fit in the landscape?
1: So, you know, I I think about from the content strategy uh, content operations and content, kind of execution and optimization. There's also a branch that's more on promotion um, and distribution. So we're not in that space right now in the promotion and distribution, but I do see where Jasper campaigns is getting into that, that automated repurposing in, for the purposes of campaign execution and distribution. But we really uh, fit in the other three groups and we were really the first person in that optimization space And that has become very saturated. I mean, there is no fewer than 25 options uh, that you can have where it's giving you insights about ways to make your content, you know, more accessible for search engines, right? The challenge in that space is a lot of people are doing it with dated technology, or they're trying things that, you know, they can't vet and connect to expertise. But that's where the search engines are going, right? It's expertise, it's authority, it's showing that you have a done had a real experience with a product. Um, so where we are still differentiated is we're we've always been focused on expertise and quality, and the insights that we give connect you to those you know those areas of expertise. So it's not just about peppering in a few words; it's about understanding: have you covered the true information journey? Have you covered the buyer or reader journey? Are you exhibiting expertise? Um, and so that's really the point of differentiation. It's not about copying your competitors. It's about writing amazing content and being differentiated from your competitors. And we try to drag that into the operations and the strategy side, um, where we're still, I think, the only persons in the market is in the planning and strategy side. So being able to get predictive with content earlier in the process. So you can say, hey, if we want to own this topic, or we want to build a brand new cluster on this concept, what do we do? (laughs) right? How do we do this? How much content do we need in order to move the needle on this concept from a standpoint of of organic search, plus always putting our best foot forward in the quality side? Um, There's a lot of people getting into that operations space. So using generative AI to improve the way that they create briefs, maybe they create show notes, they create an outline or an intro for their podcasts, right? Or any way where humans were writing pages that don't necessarily make it to the final cut. That space is really innovating right now. Um, and that's so exciting because we're getting out of only being a, a kind of a dry spreadsheet and we're getting into using data to speed up processes while keeping a human in the loop to ensure that we're exhibiting expertise, we have a point of view. And so market MarketMuse real innovation right now is in content strategy and operations to keep the human in the loop To ensure that, you know, because stakes couldn't be higher right now to ensure that we don't, you know, jeopardize quality.
0: Yeah. What I'm hearing from you and, you know, I think of the content process of planning, creation and refinement or optimization. Right. And I think that MarketMuse is unique in the sense of understanding the planning part. And it's where most of the artificial intelligent tools that I've seen fall down. Right. I can take a topic. I can go into chat GPT. I can use Zapier, you know, like figure a way to automate the process. We're doing this here at the MarTech podcast and have it spit out content. Right. Right. And, and there's optimization and refinement. Like the content creation piece is now a commodity. It used to be, well, if you had a talented writer, they would understand what you needed to produce understand the context and be able to write a great piece of content. Now that's more of a commodity. It's about understanding who your audience is, understanding what content you don't have or the content you have that needs to be optimized. So talk to me about the content planning process. It seems to be that that's really where Market Muse has a foothold now that there's a billion different AI content vendors what are people getting wrong about understanding what content they should be creating and what data to use to seed artificial intelligence to create quality content?
1: Yeah, the first thing they're getting wrong, by the way, that question just covers it all. Uh, the, The first thing they're getting wrong is believing that mediocre content has a place anywhere, right? So there's still a lot of noise in the market because supply just went to infinity. And you described it in a nuanced way is that the actual writing of text in a mediocre way, that's the commodity. It's the infinite scale of content that kind of gets the job done, but it has so many possibilities of making errors. And I'm not just speaking about the ones that everybody gawks at, you know, the hallucinations where it says that, you know, the, the capital of North Dakota is actually Tallahassee. Um, I'm. Congratulate me.
0: Yeah. I'm the CEO of
1: Sendoso. There you go, right? Exactly. Apparently, according to ChatGPT. Well, you know, my uh, one of my colleagues, um, he was like you has has some instruments, and he was writing, you know, as if he had many albums. They had produced an entire albums with track lists uh, for albums he didn't write. <laughs> um, and you know, in a presentation I gave at Macon, I had a uh, one of the slides, and it said the person who ran the event was Paul Reitzer. And I said, how many of you have read all three of Paul's books? Or, or have read one of th- Paul's three books? And I had him up there and some hands and then fewer hands read two, and no hands read through. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm glad there's no liars in the audience. That third one doesn't exist. But if he, if he was <laughs> going to write a third book, that would be it. Um, and someone had actually like posted this post about these three books that only two of them existed and uh, kind of ironic because he's running the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Institute. So yeah, the, the errors are fun, you know, they're fun gawk to gawk at, but they can be refined and you can make the generation better and better and better through many different technologies. But the key is that this, and I, and I'm ca- I call this the rise of the subject matter expert editor, because it's a situation where writers are not naturally great editors, right? And many editors aren't tremendously efficient writers, and content strategists all the same and SEOs certainly have gaps in those you know those processes many of them are not great writers i'm a not a great writer but i can knock out content faster than i ever could before that i'm extremely proud of by staying in the loop and passing in context passing in my point of view passing in maybe a narrative or story spine. I'm really into storytelling. So passing in the actual arc, what I want people to take away so I can bring in more than just pop in a keyword and hope for the best, right? So I think you saw a a quick rush to judgment that the path here was to go from word to page. But there's a reason why we've had hundreds and hundreds of years of editorial and journalism maturity, right? Those steps are critical. And so businesses jumped in, many of them, thinking they were going to skip editorial and skip journalism. And many of them crashed and burned because it's a lot harder than you think to go from nothing to draft and then have to take that draft and turn it into something great. There's a lot more better use of time if you improve each step in the process so that that last step doesn't have to have as much, you know, adjustment or tuning or, To get to that end and so where you where you ask the question about that actual production step keeping people in the loop and being smarter with the data we bring is a big piece of what we're focused on right now is so that people know that the thing they're going to get at least is going to have a a chance at coming close to only needing a few hours of (laughs) edits right time for
0: a one minute break to hear from our sponsor previsible so you're looking for seo help and you got a couple of options That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Yeah, you know, I've called this and on this podcast before, we're in the sandwich days. Mm -hmm. Uh, Artificial intelligence needs a human to prompt it and give it the right set of data to be able to produce interesting content. And then it needs a human to evaluate the efficacy of that content. Right? It is not a replacement at this point for humans to create high quality content. You cannot just automate the entire process. It is a tool. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people have fallen down or given up using artificial intelligence and thinking it should just do everything for me. We've been doing a lot of automation here on the MarTech podcast. I showed you uh, before we started podcasting uh, some of the uh, steps that we've taken where when somebody comes on our podcast, uh, they accept an interview. We take a template and we feed all the data that they gave us in the onboarding process into ChatGPT and our own LLM to take our intro script template and produce the script that I read to introduce everyone. And it's wonderful. Most of the time, it still needs me to go through and make sure that it's correct before I actually read everything. Some of the times it gets pronouns wrong. Some of the times the you know the description of what we're going to talk about is fantastic. But for the most part, it took something that uh, an individual person had to go write an intro script. You know, It took half an hour for somebody to get together and get all the data and aggregate it, put it into a document. And now it's 30 seconds. There is a effectiveness in terms of being able to produce a great piece of content, mostly if it's formulaic, uh, but it still doesn't necessarily say what you should be talking about. So as we double back and talk a little bit more about content planning, what advice do you have for the SEO community to have them understand what they should be doing to figure out what content needs to be made using artificial intelligence and then making sure that they give artificial intelligence the right prompts to produce a good output?
1: Yeah. I mean, those are the two questions, right? And that's the key to content strategy right now. It's to understand what you have, where you've done a great job already, your strengths and weaknesses, where do you have authority? Where do you have momentum, right? Where do you have signals from the market that you are about this thing and where do you not? And that's going to guide you. That's going to guide you as to how much work you need to do, what areas of the funnel you have to cover, what intents you should be covering. And you don't, Or maybe you're, you know, remediating a bad situation, right? So a lot of people are thinking about this solely from the lens of, I already know what I'm going to do based on a third party research process. So keyword research is traditionally unpersonalized. It's not taking into account who I am. It's not taking into account what I've already done. It's only taking into account maybe some data that I get from a third party, And so what we uniquely do is we personalize that experience. So we're telling you how hard this is going to be for you to achieve this. So you know the minimum bar of quality, the minimum bar of comprehensiveness you're going to need, and you're likely going to need a whole lot more to keep that going and maintain and grow your presence on that topic. So some examples of this come from learning about a concept and saying, if I were an expert on this... And now we're covering this topic comprehensively. What are the things that I would naturally include in this page? And what are the things that I would naturally have covered on my site already? And what's the journey for a buyer or for someone seeking information on this topic? I've got to have all that covered on my site. It's not just going to be a one and done effort. And so taking people through that process and saying, okay, I built one article about this and maybe I'm a law firm about this practice area. That's enough, right? And we're like, no, no, no. You've got the entire journey, all the sub areas, all the nuances about those people who are going through the process where they might be seeking somebody for this practice area. You have to have all that coverage so that you're exhibiting expertise. And that guides us as just to say, okay, well, if we really want to own this and we really want to be the thought leader on it, we're going to have to build a 200 page website on these topics, focusing on these intents focusing on this journey. And going through that process is the, the process of planning strategically and predictably. You're going to find on your site, just randomly, you might have written a thousand articles, right? Already. You're going to have stuff that's going to be easier than others clean up. That's going to be less intensive, but you're also going to have situations where you might say, oh, wow, I, I have a lot of work to do. If I want to branch out into that new field, you know, I was working with a site that's publisher and they publish a lot about animals. And it was like, yeah, we really dropped the ball with that type of animal, right? We haven't covered anything on it. We want to. And we were able to give them, hey, here's the, you know, 62 articles you need to create and seven you need to update. And here's how to think about them and the intents you're targeting. That's really where, you know, that's the next frontier for planning is to say, let's say you had needed to take your show intro and turn that into something, you know, comprehensive that had a specific target, had a specific goal. How would you expand that, right? So there's a lot of uh, reuse. There's a lot of great assessment, auditing, gap analysis that goes into it. But a site owner needs to look at their site and really make sure the mirror is clear to say, "Where, where do I actually have gaps? What have I done that isn't awesome? Because like just what you said, the commodity data that adds no value to the world is now infinite scale. So if you've gotten away with it, just having commodity data on this, or just checking the box, got that page covered, got that practice area covered, covered that animal, it's not enough. You're going to have to bring unique differentiated value to everywhere that you want longevity. And that's the key.
0: So the last question I have for you is, you mentioned a couple times, the amount of content we can create is now infinite. Has that changed the type of content, you know, as you're thinking about the planning process, we're talking about SEO and I look at my website and I realize that we have covered link building. We've got this giant blog post on link building that covers every little aspect and every interview we've ever done. And it's got links and data and graphs and it's totally comprehensive, but we don't have individual pages for each subsection of link building. With infinite amount of content, has it changed the type of content that is being prioritized specifically for SEO? Are we now looking at multiple different posts and shorter form content? Is longer form content being prioritized? How has the infinite scale of content production impacted the shape of content?
1: Yeah, it's it's just one of those great questions that I don't think anyone knows to even ask what you just asked, right? Because it's the shape of content is going to change dramatically because of what is possible, is what is possible contains items that nobody would have ever gotten to. I always use this example. So people have probably, if they listen to me talk, I always, uh, they'll probably heard it from me a million times. But I love the Washington Post story of natural language generation for heliograph. Two of the main use cases they put in initially, and this was years ago, five plus years ago, was they couldn't cover all of the state, local, and regional elections manually, so they had to choose. But what Heliograph brought them was the ability to at least cover all of the elections, so they'd have fair coverage. They did the same thing with the Olympics. Before the Olympics, they could only cover about 20% of the games. They had to select them. but then after, at least at a minimum, they could cover all of them, right? Your business may be in that situation where you just check the boxes, you've got a page, but you haven't even thought about all of what's possible when scale goes infinite. So you may be in the situation where you can come up with interesting ways to cover those sub areas that is differentiated, right? That's your path of finding your Olympics. The reason why you would have sub areas, right? Why would you cover that? If you're in B2B, maybe you're covering the sub areas for, target personas. Maybe you're covering it for industry specific. Maybe you've just got a unique way of expressing your expertise on that sub area that you wouldn't have been able to easily weave in. You've got a unique narrative of covering that. So what you're going to see is yes. And however, (laughs) yes, we're going to want to cover more as long as we're presenting something with tremendous unique value. We're not doing it solely for the tactic, right? The tactic of should this be a 7,000 word page, or should it have its own answer? The answer before was, does this do the sub pages bring unique differentiated value? Cool. Well, then you can get away with both of them. Then you had some practitioners who would say, Oh, don't do that. There's possibility for cannibalization or don't spread out your tactics go away. And the strategy has to be because you have a why you have a why you're doing it. And that actually in the end was where the great content strategists were already. So this is elevating great content strategy. And it's eliminating short-term results-based tactics. And that's the change. Yeah, it's the key. Yeah,
0: It's the hardest thing for me to get my head around in the sort of new era of marketing. It's the everything, everywhere, all at once nature of, of content. Mm-hmm. It's that you can infinitely scale and you can point the cannon in all directions. Right. And that doesn't mean that everybody is standing where you're aiming. And you know, the more that we are seeing essentially content become a commodity, the more that content is less valuable unless it's great content. And that's really the, the, the secret here. And with artificial intelligence, you can produce content with the click of a button, but you can't produce good content with the click of a button. You can't produce value with the click of a button. You still have to do some planning and have to do some work to understand your customers and understand what's going to provide value to them. To have them understand that you actually know what you're talking about and that the article is worth reading. Yep. And that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Jeff Coyle, the co-founder and CSO of Market Muse. Join us again tomorrow when Jeff and I continue our conversation talking about cleaning up AI-created SEO content. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Jeff, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Jeffrey underscore Coil. That's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y underscore C-O-Y-L-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is marketmuse.com. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to VoicesOfSearch.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also send us your topic suggestions, and you can even apply to be a guest speaker on the Voices of Search podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it now. And my personal handle on LinkedIn is ben Shap B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P.